Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. My name is Todd Perry, and this is the Upworthy Weekly Podcast. And with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen from Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. Hello. And I had to laugh uh, this week. It was a good laugh from your show. And this was in a, a video you shared, and you had a gal named, was it Betsy Sotero? Sodaro. Sodaro. And she's oh, you're very so close. Hey, not bad. Uh, and she's very funny. And there was a great thing where she was saying, in, my, in some play, I had a principal role in Greece. Yeah. She was in, she said she was in Greece and um, she was, no, she said she was the principal in Greece. I remember my parents after, I think it was Greece. I was the principal in Greece. And I remember my mom and dad, and they've always thought Wait, I was you funny were Sandy? stuff. No, no. I was the role the of prin- the principal. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, you meant like a principal performer in like the lead. No, God, no. All of all of high school and most of college, I was like, can I get like the one smallest, funniest part where I don't have to sing or dance? Right. And it worked out pretty good. And I was like, oh, oh, my God, were you Sandy? And she's like, no, I played the principal. <laughs> Like, completely different roles. And she, um, people might recognize her voice. She, she's hilarious. She has a very distinctive voice. She's been on Bob's Burgers and Duncanville, does a lot of animation. She's also currently on that show Ghosts on CBS. But she plays the comic relief always. So I was surprised to hear that she played Sandy, you know, the lead lead yeah. principal role in, in Greece, but she played the principal. <laughs> yes, which is a funny role, Uh you know, but but Sandy, obviously, there's not a lot of great one-liners by Olivia Newton-John <laughs> in Greece. I can't. No. no. Weird question. Did they just make her from Australia in the movie because she was Australian? Or was it in the original play, she was like from Iowa or something? Then they're like, let's just make her an Aussie because she does a terrible Iowan accent or something. I suspect it's. And I don't know if it's the former or the latter anymore because I got lost in what you were. I mean, you said it perfectly. I'm just spacey today. Yeah. Uh, I think that they adjusted the movie for Olivia Newton-John because, and I don't want to brag, but when I was in seventh grade, the eighth grade put on Grease as the annual musical. And I got to be on the crew and they put me on house lights, which is really, if you ever got the opportunity to do house lights for a play, don't take it because I sat, I didn't ever get to see the show ever because I sat backstage just waiting for my, you know, three to four moments of glory where I would flip a switch, but I heard it. But anyway, so I'm somewhat familiar with the play, at least as put on by a bunch of eighth graders. And there was no mention of Australia. You know who I feel sorry for in this whole equation is uh, me. No, your your the parents, listeners. your parents. Yeah, the listeners mostly. <laughs> I feel sorry for your parents because you know they're like, we got to go to Allison's play, and they're like, oh, what does she do in the play? Oh, the lights. <laughs> and it's like I, after the play, it's like, well, you know, well lit. You know, yeah. you know, maybe you missed a spot during Grease Lightning where I couldn't quite see Kaniki coming down from the motor. Uh, oh, Todd, you you overestimate me because. I wasn't even doing lights on the sh- like play. Oh. It was house lights, <laughs> meaning 
It's time for the play to start. The lights in the gymnasium go down. Click. It's intermission. Everyone needs to see where they are. The lights in the house go up. Click. Intermission is over. Lights in the house go down. Click. I mean, literally four. You know, now that I think about it, I could have run out from my post and watched the show and then just gotten back in time to mo- to do the lights again. I don't know why I felt like I had to be glued to the <laughs> light switch. Just in case. <laughs> I mean, what could, I mean, there could be some kind of problem. It's like, lights off, lights off. You know, yeah, someone has a, you never one know. of the actors has a coronary on the stage or something and they don't want right. everybody to see. So your job would be important. Or the guy exactly. next and to I, you. I took it so so seriously too and my parents did bring me a bouquet of flowers for you know after our opening night which was there was one opening night and then there was one closing night but man i nailed those lights we're gonna be talking a little bit later on the show about entitlement (laughs) in kids brought upon by bad parenting and i really just thought about that i i feel uh a bouquet for that. Something to bring up with your therapist, if you can. Um, I mean, listen, every time I go to have therapy, which is once a week, my husband jokes, can I give you a list of things to talk about? So if you want to try to get on that list, you can. But there's a lot of material ahead of, of this. I hope there's like a Google Drive doc, which everybody can edit. <laughs> and then we can try to get in there and be like, no, no, Daniel, she really dropped an interesting one this week. And she received more flowers than the gal who played Sandy in Greece for turning on a light switch. Yeah. Um, okay, I hear where you're coming from, and yes, I will bump that up in the dock. So on the, this week's show, we're gonna interview, we're gonna review some of Upworthy's most popular and engaging stories from February the 14th, which was Valentine's Day, to the 18th, and we're gonna start off with America's Valentine, Allison Rosen. Oh, thank you. Coming from the king of good news, the self-proclaimed king of good news. That means a lot. Um, Okay, so here is a crazy story. Uh, A woman shared that her Tinder date helped her give birth to her baby and then helped her like transition into her a mom in like the week, you know, after she gave birth to the baby and was home and he was totally helping. So uh, and this was shared on TikTok and it went viral. The woman made a video about it. The guy made a the guy. He's really America's Valentine now. He's 25. His name is Max. He's from Australia. He's heavily Australian. If you're going to listen to it, just be prepared to not understand like a fair amount of words. Um, But let's uh, let's. Let's play them right now. Okay. Story time. This is how I was at my Tinder date's birth after only four dates. So I flew back into Brisbane from a work trip away and I saw a text message from my Tinder date saying that her water had broken and she wouldn't be able to pick me up from the airport. So from there, raced home, uh, raced down to the hospital to meet her and uh, met a family in the process as well. Made it quite interesting. Okay, yes. Yeah, he definitely sounded like one of the uh, bushwhackers from uh, the WWF. And I'm you looking at me like you have no idea who they were. I I don't know who they were. I did interview a wrestler named Alexa Bliss on my show. It's like by far one of my most po- popular episodes because WWF has such a huge following. Um, so I think that everyone who likes that knows who the Bushwhackers are, but I remain in the dark. Do you, do you want to enlighten me? Uh, they were two guys who were um, like uh, kind of Australian outback guys who were kind of crocodile Dundee-ish. They were kind of capitalizing on that. So I doubt they're really Australian. They're probably from Wales or something. But <laughs> Alexa Bliss, 
Yes. Are you sure that that's a uh, WWF, not some other profession? <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Her real name is Alexis Kaufman. In real life, people call her Lexi. Uh, and she's engaged to, oh, what is his, Ryan, I'm forgetting his name, but he also dated, he's a singer, and he also dated Audrina from The Hills. A lot of people who know, know. As they say on TikTok, if you know, you know. But uh, as they say on this podcast, Todd doesn't know. Anyway, let me tell you about this crazy story. Okay, so this uh, woman had been on... She estimates like three to four dates with this guy. They'd only been dating for eight weeks. Uh, and she was supposed to pick him up from the airport. And she texted him and said, I'm so sorry. I won't be able to pick you up from the airport because my water broke. Now, right there, <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. I'm just impressed that a woman who's that pregnant is on Tinder and that she's dating someone because I- I've been that pregnant twice. I've had two children and... Uh, I was uncomfortable and huge by the end. I mean, unbelievable. I had extra fluid and I gained a ton of weight while I was pregnant. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I just cannot, I cannot imagine dating someone new at that point in, point in pregnancy, but more power to them. So she didn't pick him up. She went to the hospital. He got the message. He returned from his business trip, packed a bag, met her at the hospital and helped her through the labor. Uh, he was her support person because of COVID. He was, so the hospital thought he was the father. He allowed, they all allowed them, them to think this. And so they allowed him to be with her. She ended up having to have an emergency C-section. Um, the baby had to go to the NICU and I had, both my kids had to go to the NICU and I know how tough that is. So that for me personally, that like, uh, it made this all the more sweet that he was there to support her during this. Cause that's hard. Uh, and then when he, she brought the baby home from the hospital when it was released from the NICU, brought the baby home. He stayed with her for a week, like totally tending to her and they're still together and everyone loves them. Do you think the doctors in the hospital realized he wasn't the father when the baby came out and didn't have an Australian accent? <laughs> I think so. Okay. I think it was a tell, but they all decided to look the other way. See, here's why I think these two people are actually great for each other. Because if, if, you, if you wheel back, if you unpeel the story and go back to the beginning, she was pregnant, and for their fourth date, she was picking him up from the airport. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, these people are both people who are all about the big ask, I feel. Because, yes. like, first of all, I would never, like, ask a friend to pick me up from the airport at this point in my life. I feel like it's, it's like asking somebody to move. Uh, yeah. To do it on a first date, this guy's, like, pretty... You know, uh, it's it's kind of rude almost to to ask that. Um, but then also, she... especially because they have Uber in Australia, right? They have to. It yes. was for people who don't know. It was a different world before rideshare. Because so I I lived in New York, which I like to tell people because I mm-hmm. I just it's, it's an ongoing joke on my show that I always yeah. am talking about it. But anyway. And I lived in New York pre-Uber, so it was all about catching cabs. And it's pretty easy in New York, but in any other city, I find it to be pretty hard to get a taxi. But now that's yeah. not even a concern anymore because of rideshare. You can get anywhere. You do not have to inconvenience your friends. Yeah, especially your Tinder date on the fourth date. So right. he's a big ask kind of guy, right? And then she's a big ask because obviously 
she showed up pregnant to the date, which I feel like that's probably not going to be on your profile. Like, by the way, you know, 32 months prego. Um, you know, could should my 32 water 32 months. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> Someone induce. It's, this has gone on for quite a long time. He's reading in there. <laughs> 32 uh, months. So, yeah, I, I feel like that's weird. Uh, so maybe they're made for each other. And then I thought, these are the type of people that have a destination wedding. You know, yes. they're, they're the big ask kind. They're, then they're going to go to their friends and be and like, a big ask. we're all meeting up in Saskatchewan at a really charming place. It's going to take you four flights to get there. And um, enjoy. It's going to be a celebration of us. Yeah. My friend invited me to his wedding in Poland and I didn't go. And oftentimes I think, what would that have been like had I gone? I think I had just, I had, I, I had an infant at home and I just felt like I can't, I don't know how I would even do that. I bet it would have been a fun wedding though. Or awful and I would have been stranded in Poland. I'm just thinking the band's going to be like Polish music, which mm. my stepmom is really into her Polish culture and would play this stuff, and it's it's not that fun. Uh, I feel like people would be really drunk in Poland at a wedding. I feel like that's like yeah. a big drinking kind of place. So I think so. A lot of really drunk people, bad dancing. I don't know. Right. I think you made made the right decision. That's, you just described every wedding. But th- no, th- but this is this is ratcheted up to the next level. This is like okay. you take like chicken dance, fine, but um, polka. That's what I'm. Is that what Polish music is? Because that's what I'm imagining. I'm imagining like a an accordion and yeah. okay. Now that's that- kind of perfect chicken music. Uh, music chicken dance music. Now imagine that for like seven hours. Yeah. No, thank you. Upworthy Weekly. A Twitter user explains 40 fascinating concepts that will broaden your understanding of the world. And this is by Jissa Joseph. And so basically this guy went on a Twitter rant where he explained 40 different psychological, uh, scientific, and um, political concepts that will help you make sense of the world. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I thought all these were really great because they're all done in short tweets. So it's like something you can easily comprehend and keep with you when you're going, oh, wait, I don't need to worry about this because I understand the psychology behind it. Mm-hmm. And this would also give you, like, I feel like 50 more different rabbit holes for you to go down in your ongoing routine of self-diagnosis, Allison. Yeah, I I was like, are you talking to the listeners or are you talking to me? And now I see you're talking to me, but it's not just my ongoing, uh, it's not just diagnosing myself, it's wasting all of my time on my phone. This gives me 50 things to Google. Right. Thank you. So one of them, there's 40 of them, but I'm just going to go over a couple. Uh, One of them is the spotlight effect. And that's we often get anxious feeling that our every move is being scrutinized by others. The truth is, no one is paying as much attention to you as you are. People are too concerned with how they appear to others to care too much about how you appear to them. Yeah, how disappointing, really. I think it's kind of freeing in a certain way, because you're like, I have to break through this person's wall of narcissism in order to even make a rumple of an effect. And I think with dealing with most people, it's fine that they're not concerned with me. I'm, I'm good right. with that. 
you know? Yeah, I was I was semi joking, pretending that I want everyone in the world to be scrutinizing every, you know, hanging on every uh, breath of mine. That being said, yes, it is totally liberating because I'm definitely the kind of person who will lie in bed at night thinking, oh, God. And then I said that like, oh, that was so stupid. And oh, I feel this awkward exchange and blah, blah, blah. And then it's nice to think everyone is is in their bed thinking about the things that they said. No one's right. really thinking about your faux pas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We wake up in the morning going, oh, geez. Or or, or my wife will, will, will remind me. It's a great thing about being <laughs> married. Evidently, I said something she thought was inappropriate when we had our neighbors over in the hot tub the other day. And I didn't think it was inappropriate. I thought I was just making a sensible observation. And she thought it was inappropriate. And now that I'm talking about neighbors in the hot tub, something inappropriate, yeah. I guess. Was there a pineapple? No, right? Yeah, man. The international sign for swingers? Yeah, man. No. Uh, <laughs> I was making a comment <laughs> that we once had a nanny for like a week that was an older lady okay. uh, who dressed very risque. Mm-hmm. And for like working with a child, I felt it a little awkward for me to be dealing with somebody who was dressing really kind of risque. Um, and not not that old people shouldn't be dressing risque. It was just... Are you slut-shaming your geriatric nanny? Yes, basically. No, well, you know what? Maybe, you know, she, she was like 65 and had some obvious surgical enhancements recently. Uh, and she was all about showing them off, which was kind of weird because she was a daycare provider. Okay. If I was wearing short shorts, you know, like... <laughs> Banana hammock stuff, walk around the house. Like, that would be, that would be something, rude. It would be something she would talk to her friends about, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, this guy dresses like Agador Spartacus when I come to raise his, his child. So, <laughs> it was uncomfortable for me. I, I, I here's, a different, here's a different angle on all of this. I think the conversation that happens among neighbors in a hot tub is different than the conversation that happens like in a student teacher conference or something. So I feel like all bets are off in the hot tub. You can talk about your nanny's boobs. But yeah, and I need a little sign that's written like in Latin. You know, it's like what happens in the Todd Perry celebrity hot tub stays in the Todd Perry yeah. celebrity hot tub. Like, I guess when you go to the Playboy Mansion. Any Latin speakers, please send that in. Like, They'd have if you if you don't swing, don't ring written above the doorbell at the Playboy Mansion, but in Latin. Is that true? I've so yeah. you might not know this about me. I don't know how you p- would possibly know this about me, but I've been to the Playboy Mansion like three or four times, uh, and I don't remember that on the doorbell. But I believe you that it was there because I don't. I was taking in everything, so I don't think I noticed that the doorbell. Yeah, I've been there three or four times as well. Really? And they did. What if not we were al- there for the same events? I know they didn't allow me into the front door, though. I came, I came through the side <laughs> entrance. Maybe that's why I'm not quite remembering because I went there for events, so I don't think I walked in through the front door. Uh, the next is the opinion economy. The rise of social media as the primary mode of interaction has caused us to overvalue opinions as a gauge of character. We're now defined more by what we say than what we actually do. And words, unlike deeds, are cheap. Mm. And I, uh, I'm i into this. I think, who is it? Dr. Drew once said, you are what you do, not what you say or what you believe in the end. Like, that's right. how we should judge But online, people. you're exclusively what you say. Yeah, there's no doing online, really. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree with this. I think we need to, like, take everybody's words with a little bit of a grain of salt. Like, yeah, we can calm down. 
Yeah. And there's also people just fighting to be heard over the din of all the words and opinions online. So I think people become more and more strident with their opinions in like an effort to get, not everyone, but some people in an effort to just get traction. Yeah, as we were talking about earlier, everybody's thinking about themselves or everybody on there is thinking about their own brand or whatever they're doing. So you have to say something outrageous to get people's attention. And then people say you're a ridiculous human being. Something outrageous like, we had this nanny whose bosoms were in my face and she was 65. Can you believe it? How rude. Another thing is called the shirky principle. And that's institutions will try to preserve the problem, which they are the solution. It's the best way to ensure their survival and growth. Examples include planned obsolescence and the various, quote, industrial complexes. So it's basically like how the prison system is now run by private prisoners whose whole private companies whose whole job is to get more people in the prison because that's how they make their money. So then they lobby the lawmakers to make laws about things that probably shouldn't be illegal to then Mm -hmm. put people in jail. Yeah. And then it gave them money. It's like the most perverse thing ever. Right. Right. Or it's like how you and I try to make sure the world's a terrible place so that people will keep coming back to us for their dose of good news and nanny boobs. It's very true. (laughs) I, you know, also, it's like if you think of institutions like, say, PETA or the NRA, like if PETA suddenly had everybody go vegetarian, they got whatever they wanted, it would eventually they'd have to rationalize their existence because, you know, it's people's jobs. You know, what's Mm -hmm. they say what starts as a cause becomes a job and then becomes a grift. Starts as a and cause, becomes a job, becomes a grift. I like that. So say, let's say PETA was, a, and I, I'm pro PETA, by the way, but let's say they were that successful and everybody went veggie, uh, animals were being well taken care of. It would suddenly become like somebody said something bad about an animal and therefore we should get on them, we should get on them and throw them out of society or something, right? Uh, the, the, it would become like little small aggressions that we're having a problem with. Uh, right. It's like... right. If the NRA suddenly had like just gun, like you could buy an AR-15 at the 7-Eleven, you could shoot somebody with impunity. If they got whatever they wanted, then eventually they'd have to keep finding reasons to get people to go out and buy more guns or to make them mm. more afraid. Like, I like that you threw around like Peter or the NRA, you know, two organizations that are so frequently mentioned together in one sentence. That's right. <laughs> oh, just, you know, just institutions. Um, last one we have is signaling. Our social behaviors are calibrated to demonstrate our genetic fitness to other humans, primarily to the opposite sex, so we can fulfill our biological imperative of procreation. Essentially, each of us is just a marketing campaign for our own DNA. Hmm. I don't think I am. You're not, you're not selling your DNA? I mean, let's just recap some of the things I've talked about on this show. I feel like pretty much I've made it pretty clear you don't want to breed with me. My husband didn't hasn't hadn't listened to this, so he didn't know. But oh. I just feel like I'm just I'm just an advertisement for <clears throat> laziness, being addicted to your phone. Those are the main ones. So 
so basically you it was like false advertising with your DNA yes, that, that's you, right. that you that you yes. played out. It was a, a real bait and switch. Upworthy Weekly. Uh, story here. Uh, people are sharing the parenting trends that absolutely, quote, need to end now. And this is by one Todd Perry, and it ran on Friday. Um, so a poll by YouGov found that younger Americans are more likely than their elders to say that they were raised by, quote, not very strict or not strict at all parents. So this is different than prior generations where kids were supposed to be seen but not heard. They were thought of as tiny adults, etc. Um, did you ever read the book or see the movie i think there was a movie the nanny diaries are you familiar you must be familiar with it given that you wrote this and i'm about to quote the author yeah i have not seen it but i know that it's a big deal i think my wife's got the book somewhere okay yeah so the author nicola kraus said um about about today we are deeply aware that our children are cognizant conscious humans in a way previous generations weren't aware children were treated like pets or worse release valves for for their parents stresses and fears then expected to magically transform into healthy functional adults um so on the uh on a reddit forum a user asked what parenting trend do you strongly disagree with And there was an overwhelming number of responses. uh, And here are some of them. So uh, people are not on board with people pretending that parenting is not parenting. So like, you know, letting your kid just yell and and be very uh, destructive and loud because you're trying not to crush their spirit, you know, like there's an element of parenting that does involve like being in charge of this little person and guiding them toward the right things or telling them what to do. Basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, another one is denying your kid any negative experience or emotions. I think I've talked about that, uh, taking my younger son to get vaccines and feeling really guilty because I'm like holding, I, you know, I had to hold his arms while they do something that made him cry. And I was like, I feel like a real jerk, but I know I have to, I have to become okay with his discomfort in moments, but that's hard. Yeah. And also you have to be okay with him not liking you from time to time. Yeah. You know, yeah. he he still loves you, even though you hold him down and have people stick needles in him. You oh know. God. You know, we lately we've been having a problem because he's very into marbles uh, and he keeps wanting to take them into. It's not like he's just playing with marbles alone. He has Hungry Hungry Hippo and then he has this thing called Marble Run. I don't know if you know what this is, but it's like a Rube yeah. Goldberg contraption having to. I had to build it. What I did not sign up for engineering. But anyway. So he he's always wanting to play with the marbles from Marble Run, and then when he goes to take a nap, he wants to bring them with him. And though he d- is not putting things into his mouth, I just I'm too it's too scary that he would be sleeping and holding on to small choking hazards. So <laughs> yes, I have that to take like them. A terrible idea. Yeah. Exactly. So we say goodnight to the marbles, but sometimes I just have to take them from him, and he hates me when we do that. Um. Uh, not setting clear boundaries, bulldozer parents. So you've probably heard of helicopter parents, but bulldozer parents are parents who remove all obstacles from their kid's path. Um, stage mom syndrome, like like uh, using your kids for your own social media image and stuff. I definitely don't do that. Uh, mm. Oh, I haven't had this one yet, but I can see myself having this one. Not believing the teacher because you think that your children are perfect. 
And so whatever the teacher is saying, it's got to be a teacher problem. Oh, teachers, uh, teachers love that, by the way. My, my wife, who is an educator, and all her friends, they, right. they always say that that's one of the biggest changes they've seen over the last you know, decade or 15 years are parents that side with the kid over the teacher, which yeah, that I, can I can't that. believe how infuriating that would be. Yeah. People are out of control right now, but it was really bad way back. Like when, like my parents' parents on both sides really not great like it's really it's a I was gonna say it's borderline abusive but no like abuse on both sides so now I feel like the pendulum though has really swung into parents really trying to be the friend and not the parent you got to find a happy medium yeah and I you know earlier in the story it says that it's because we know so much more about children and their inner lives are so much more robust than we thought and you know they're more sensitive but I also think it's it's narcissism because people don't differentiate between themselves and the child, yeah. you know, and something that their kid ha- obstacle has, the parent sees that as an affront to them. And it's not. Right. It's, it's something's just a kid needs to deal with it. And mm-hmm. we just need to encourage him to get through the thing. The The thing that most aggravates me about parents is when I see them and and, and their kids have the tablet in their face mm-hmm. all the time. Like, like my kid will get like, we'll give him the phone every once in a while. If we're out at dinner with nothing but adults and no one for him to talk to, or if it's going to be like a really long car ride or if he's on a plane, we'll like load that up with, you know, Moana and Moana two and Moana three or whatever. And he'll watch that. But in general, I think a lot of people just like add, you know, put off actually parenting by just, putting something in a kid's face and they're already going to deal with technological addiction in a way we have no concept of at this point. It's going to be 50 times worse than what we're living through. Uh, And then just to start them off at, Hey, you're two, here's a tablet in your face. I think is really bad. And that's one, one way I get a little judgy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we tried to not have screens until they were two. Um, tried but I find as someone who it sounds like is more lax about screen time than you are it goes in phases like there are times where I have felt like okay this is getting problematic so then the tablets disappear they have to be fixed and they go to the shop um and then there's times where like he you know it's more Elliot than Owen um who's my older one like he he is allowed access but he's not that interested in it so that being said they are it is crazy how good they are with like knowing how how intuitive either how intuitive apple is or how smart how fast they learn i mean they can they know how to like navigate to wherever they want to go on the phone oh yeah oh yeah yeah it, it really is once you see the kid like first he just my kid would start like on my phone like rubbing it weird like not knowing what yeah. and then eventually it's like he gets dialed in it's like I'll take yes. off that, do that and you're like oh no but then yeah. you're like, well, you know, you should probably be able to, you know, spell a lot better if you can get the phone that quick. Come on. But <laughs> another thing, uh, parenting thing that I I don't like is, and I and I blame parents for buying into this, and that's the idea that every kid is going to be the next Pele or LeBron James, and now it used to be you played soccer and you played at the local park. And you played it for four months out of the year. 
and then you mm-hmm. were good. And now I know tons of parents that their whole life is like, oh, yeah, Saturday we can't come by because at right. 5.30 in the morning we're going to be going to Rancho oh. Cucamonga and then we're playing like in a tournament, a club tournament there. Then after that we're going to be going to Flagstaff, Arizona and spending two days there for a tournament. Who knows how long that's going to be. And then we're coming home and then on Thursday night, like it's – completely ridiculous what's happened with Mm -hmm. kids sports and then the people tell them oh you know what you're gonna get a scholarship and education is so expensive these days that that's a great thing to lure people in but they go hey by the way you're gonna spend 15 grand a year toting your kid all around the western united states to try to get 15 grand a year uh in college down the road right Right. I assume they, those parents must love the sport and they must love the community that springs up around it. That's what I, that's the only way I could imagine wanting to be part of any of that. I guess, I guess it seems horrible to me. (laughs) And it's also like, it's also putting your kid on such a pedestal Mm -hmm. that it's like, you're teaching them, oh, your parents don't matter. We are going to, we're going to, you know, give every last dime, every last cent, every last moment. When I think there should be more of a balance and say, hey, like, parents, we have a life, too. Like, maybe you're going to hang out and dad's going to have some beers and watch the Raider game this weekend. And we're not going to pull away for you to (laughs) play soccer. (laughs) Oh, by the way, could you please send an MP3 of just this segment to the Sanctimonious Moms of L.A.? Uh, group yes. that you're on and just so we can get their opinions on these things. They might have something <laughs> to say, I feel. I imagine they would. I don't think it would be positive. Upworthy, Upworthy Weekly. Retired NFL lineman becomes the, quote, lunch man at his kid's, kid's school to promote healthy eating. Jared Valdir played 11 seasons as an offensive lineman in the NFL from 2010 to 2020, spending most of his career with the Oakland Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals. The 6'8 Valdir was known for his incredible size, weighing as much as 330 pounds. So this guy is 6'8", 330, and I remember he bulked up very quickly one offseason, and he Mm. looked like the Incredible Hulk. Like, he looked like a human could not be that big bunch of a big like it's like looking at the rock again you know mm-hmm. like like how what you know your arms are the size of your head so he retires and had been consulting the principal of his kids school he had two kids at this school about nutrition because it's very important to him as an nfl player you know to eat well and to be able to you know control your your food intake in your body and how that creates you know your, your health and so eventually, uh, an opening came up to be what would be, the, quote, the job of the lunch lady. And he volunteered, took the job, went from making millions in the NFL to $15 an hour, gets there at 745 in the morning, cooks up a whole new fresh meal, f- meals for the kids. Like they have like, this is, uh, they have like burgogi, which is like Korean steak, chimichurri flank steak, uh, chicken tikka masala, all these. Wow great kind of exotic foods instead of having like the frozen corn and you know in pizza squares square pizza yeah yeah (laughs) so he did this and he was you know he said we're able to kind of break from the traditional route of school food that looks like just a hunk of frozen corn and a big old rectangular piece of pizza and so basically the guy's whole mission is to nourish developing humans i love that 
So I just think it's awesome. There was a part that uh, I was reading about this where the six foot eight Jared Valdir, who used to guard the blind side for Carson Palmer, uh, sees that some kids aren't finishing like their beans. So he walks out in the cafeteria and is like, hey, you got to take two more bites of that. And I was like, that's I'm sure they listen. Like if Jared <laughs> Valdir, like, hey, punk. Nope. What do you want me to do? I, I'm in. Yeah. You know, so. scared straight. Mm hmm. But it, it also shows that people can have two very different careers and be passionate about them. Yeah. Um. OK, so question. You said the blind side. He guarded the blind side of someone. And I was like, "Ooh, that's the name of that movie that I haven't seen. But it, now I realized that is that that must be a football term. I am unfamiliar with the term and unfamiliar with the movie. What is what does the blind side refer to? So let's say you're a right handed quarterback and you drop the ball back to pass. When you pass it, your back is half kind of half the field. Your back is to it. Right. Right. Because you don't throw the ball with like your chest out, you throw it from the side. So there's part, you have a big blind side behind you. So you want the best blocker to be the guy who blocks on that side so that he can prevent you from being sacked. Cause that's where you're most vulnerable. So got it. The left sack, like while, like while you're going to pass, someone comes up on you and sacks you, yeah. which I imagine means tackles. Yeah. Tackles you, puts you in the ground, got injures it. you, ends your oh. career, pops your oh, knee that out. That sounds, Right, all the all the fun thing, all the fun things people watch for. That's right. So if you're, uh, you know, again, like I guess with the Raiders and the Cardinals was the same quarterback. This guy, uh, Carson Palmer. So Palmer uh, obviously liked this guy. Was like, I, I need this guy watching my back. You know, so yeah. So I know I think it's cool that a guy can go from that to that, and there's a through line of it of his passion for fitness. You know. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Upworthy Weekly. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com. So, Allison. Yes. On a scale of one to five, one being abysmal and five being perfect. How was your week? Perfection. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to give this week... I am going to give this week a f- 3.75. I, 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 um, listen, emotionally, I want to give it a four today because I am here with you doing this show and I'm having a good time. However, the week wasn't that good. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to give it like a 3.75. It had it up and it had it down. Um, this older couple, family friends that I am very close with. She's in her 70s. He's in his 80s. Um, they are both, they both have a lot of, you know, health conditions as I feel like is pretty standard for people of that age. Um, but she tested positive for COVID early in the week. So despite it being like for me personally, a a decent week, there's just been this anxiety sort of rippling through in the background. Um, her symptoms are, are mild, thankfully, but she takes care of him. So I'm like, how, how long before he tests positive, he's still negative though. So I don't know, you know, I, it's, you hear that Omicron is so contagious and I do believe that to be true. 
However, I know at least anecdotally a handful of situations where just one person in a family got it. So I do think it's possible he'll remain negative, but I'm just, I'm just, it's just scary. It just feels like there's something it feels like it feels uh, this is like a dumb metaphor, but I feel like a tiger is in the house just sitting in the corner and we're just like, hope he doesn't act like a tiger. Right. Hope he just turns around and leaves because now it's in the house. Um, and they're both very careful. She only goes to medical appointments, so I don't know where she got it. Anyway, so that's been going on. Um, but then on the plus side, Todd, hmm. uh, I do think I'm a better person. Oh, why is that? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, I went to a dentist appointment. That's not why I'm a better person, although that is enough. But on the way back, I was thinking how grateful I am. And this sounds like I'm about to pay you a compliment, but I'm not. <laughs> I just realized it sounded like I was about to say how grateful I am. For- oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Throw yourself in the mix, though. I realized how great I was thinking about my husband and my children and my life. And I just began to feel so grateful for my family and for all the good things in my life. Uh, and I, I'm always aware of that. I'm very, you know, I'm lucky and I'm happy, but I'm just, I just not in touch with those feelings. It's more of an intellectual thing. Um, but I really in my soul. I was like, Oh my God, I'm so, I'm so grateful for this family that I have and for this life. And I know you, you haven't known me that long, but I was someone who always dated the wrong person. Mm. I always, and, and I don't just mean dated. I mean, like became very emotionally invested slash obsessed with, like, if you knew me when I was in college, I feel like the bulk of our conversations would have been like, and then he said this, and then I said this, and then he said this, what do you think it means? I was one of those. Oh, yeah. It's amazing that I, <laughs> it's amazing that I had, to, I had friends because, but then they were in that stage of life too. But I mean, there was just so much deciphering and trying to figure out why this guy who was emotionally unavailable, but did, you know, come around sometimes like, but certainly he's into me. Right. I mean, I just was, Every it was just so confusing. Relationships were confusing. Everything was confusing. I felt like I, the life I want is headed one way, but like I'm headed another way. So to then sort of realize, oh, things did uh, work out in a way that I never would have thought possible so many years before, and I really feel grateful for that. So I'm a better person because I was able to experience gratitude. Good, and yeah. I'm grateful for you, Todd, and this show. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm grateful for you as well. And this show. So, Todd, what about you on a scale of one to five? One being, oh, my gosh, repulsive and five being uh, like the sound of a harp. Perfection. What was how was your week? Well, you know, I'm going to give it a uh, like a three point five. Because it was pretty good. I had a good night out hanging out with a buddy of mine the other day that I hadn't seen in a while. Went out to the bar and had a drink, which is cool. But the, which is, you know, kind of rare over the last couple of years. Yeah. From someone who going to a bar wasn't rare. I'll tell you that. Um, Yeah, you're a bar fly. That's right. No, (laughs) so, but it was, it was a memorable week because we watched the Super Bowl at a friend's house on Sunday. And as we were leaving, like there was a bunch of kids there because it was, you know, a friend of ours that has has a few kids. And so my son was hanging out with the kids the whole time while my wife and I are sitting watching the football game. And 
as we were, excuse me, as we were leaving, uh, my son looked really tired. You know, just like he was just wiped out. Like, and we were, I was trying to like play with him a little bit, and he just wasn't for it. You know, so my wife goes to pick him up and take him to the car, and she puts his legs around. He puts his legs around her waist, and you know they're kind of face to face. And right as we're getting ready to hit the door, he just goes like this. Oh and no! As they say, like sounded like he was taking karate practice. He was like, <laughs> and then like just right down her shirt. Oh. And like on her clothing, and all all she could do was just sit there, and she's holding him because she hold him, and he's yeah. like she can put him down while he's puking, and she just oh. took it like a champ, just. It was like someone poured like a half gallon of milk of just vomit, vomit on her. And he's not really a big puker these days because he's five. You know, we, we mm-hmm. thought we were past the spit up thing. But evidently the whole time while we were having fun watching the game, he was sneaking pizza because five year olds, he loves pizza. Yeah. And there was snacks out. He's human. Hello. Yeah. So he overdid it and yacked all over my wife. And I got to say. It was terrible, but it was hilarious. It was, uh, so, yeah, but everybody <laughs> at the house where we were was uh, really cool about it because they're our good friends. Oh, and they had kids, and no problem. They yeah. cleaned it up or whatever, but I will never forget this Super Bowl now, uh, even though the team that I wanted to win did not. I will never forget. You the- were rooting against L.A.? Oh, I was definitely rooting against L.A. So, as yeah. As a Raiders fan, there was a battle over who would come to Los Angeles a couple of years ago. Oh. And the Rams beat the Raiders to the punch, in which I could have been going so to Raider games. To, yeah, you have right, to hate them. Right up the street instead yeah, of. Yeah, now you have to go to Las Vegas where you slip in your deck shoes. That's right. I could be slipping in my deck shoes in Inglewood. It's much, much closer. I have some questions. Is your, did your son just boot and rally? Like, is he fine now? <laughs> just like old Pops. He did okay. the boot and rally. Yeah, he was fine right after that because my wife was concerned. Oh, no, maybe he's got a bug. It's like, right. no. That was he, my thought. He was just scarfing down round table the whole day. And <laughs> I remember I have this buddy, that, uh, affectionately known as Drunk C, if that tells you anything about his behavior. Sure. We were once uh, at a, like a club, and we were sitting outside, and he's sitting next to me, and he just... And he just throws up all over his shoes. Oh, God. And I go, looks like you had a little too much to drink, see? And he goes, no, no, no. I think I I caught a bug. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I caught a bug so many times when I used to drink. Yeah, it (laughs) happened. Just constantly. It was, and it's weird because I would, I would have a little too much to drink, catch a bug. And then I would wake up, still feel a little off, and then I was fine. So probably same with your friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you just yeah. I think your your immune system, you know, goes down a little bit after twenty seven Paps Blue Ribbons. <laughs> you know. uh, are you a better person than than before? You know, once again, I'm going to let you be the moral arbiter on this. Ooh, one. I love that. I love judging. This is like your Judge Joe Brown. You know? <laughs> I was going to say Judge Judy, but yeah, sure. No, I think you're just much more of a Joe Brown kind of person, and that's a compliment. I take it as one, or maybe a Wapner. I don't know. Oh my God, old school. Or do you remember Judge Marilyn? I think that's her name. Judge Million. I think it's yes. Marilyn Million. She is glamorous, 
stylish. I feel like she wears hoop earrings. That's who I want to be. But if I'm giving, if I'm, if I'm, as they, the young people say, if I'm serving Joe Brown vibes, that's fine. Uh, so getting to my point, this morning, my wife and kid are going off to school together. And I was, I shut the door. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I get my, my head space, my freedom. And then my wife calls, which she always does. When she gets on the road, she thinks, oh, do this, do this, and tells me what to do. So I was, I'm always like, oh, crap. But I pick up the phone and she goes, there's a bunch of boxes right across the street from like our front gate, like the neighbor's house. There's like a bunch of boxes laying in the gutter. Could you go check on it? Said, okay. So I walk out and there's five Amazon packages all that were all laid out next to each other in the gutter. And some of them had the address labels ripped off. And some of them had the addresses. But they were sitting in the gutter, so some of them, like, you could see what was in the package because it sat there all night. So evidently some porch pirates ripped off a bunch of people and then for some reason got, I don't know, got Jesus or something and decided to ditch the packages. And also they ripped off the labels so maybe people didn't know what houses they were going to. Right. So I come out and I'm like, oh, what do I do about this? You know. So I say, you know what? I'm going to be a good person and everything that has a address on it, I'm just going to deliver it because it was all on my block. So this morning I'm in my, you know, cuddly clothes and I go up and I drop the packages off at like three different houses. But then I had two packages that were open. They were already open. Yeah, well, because they were wet, because they were so, they're so sopping wet. And Got I was kind of moving them around so I could see if there was an address, and the kind of box mm-hmm. disintegrated. And I was like, well, what do I do with these? I don't have an address. Yeah. And, and then I saw one of them had a whole bunch of, like, Starbucks coffee. Like, ooh. So, oh, yeah. Like, six of the big <laughs> the big. I'm packs. not saying I would take it. I'm just saying, ooh, that's compelling. Continue. And one of those Bluetooth speakers, like a pretty big one. Oh. And then there was another thing, and it had some, I don't know, some all-purpose cleaner, but a tortilla warmer. And just a... Is someone... You know what I think is happening? I think these packages were headed towards someone who's opening up a restaurant. Coffee, cleaner, Bluetooth speaker, tortilla warmer. Oh, so I need to find out if there are any restaurateurs in my neighborhood. Yes. So what did you do? So here's what I did. I, I tried to contact Amazon through three different channels, and they could... I sent them like a barcode and every time they're like, we don't reply to this email or we don't reply to this Twitter, go to these FAQs and the FAQs don't have, I found stolen goods. Right. 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 So I reached out and then I reached out on next door saying, Hey, I've got, you know, if you have a missing package, let me know and tell me what's in it. And then we can exchange. And so no, and it meant to have to go on next door, which is the most frightening experience of all time being on next door. Yes, it is. It'll make you hate your neighbors. Oh. Uh, so then I just realized, well, I'm just going to keep these packages at my house per chance that somebody, you know, I find out who they belong to. Right. If not, what shall I do with all this coffee and a Bluetooth speaker? I mean, obviously you keep it. And but- I don't even feel bad saying that because I feel like that's what Amazon would say. I feel like we are living in an age, uh, and this is not good, but we're living in an age where material items and goods are fairly dispensable. Like oftentimes, not always, but sometimes when you go to return something on Amazon, they'll just say, just keep it because it's like 
the actual item, you know, it's the cost of shipping for whatever reason, just keep it. So I think Amazon's not going to want, I don't think they're going to want you to send it back. Yeah, are they going to send a truck to my house and then do a handoff during mm-hmm. COVID and the whole thing? I don't think right. so. No, I think you just got yourself some coffee, a speaker, a cleaner, and a tortilla warmer. Woo! This is like winning the price package on Price is Right, where they're like, and this one is a Bluetooth speaker, Starbucks coffee, right. and an LT- <laughs> uh, tortilla warmer. So I don't know. So I've, I put it all the feelers out there to everybody, come get your stuff. Mm-hmm. If not then maybe it's just kind of a balance of karma that I get this free stuff because I gave other people their stuff, right? Perhaps you could look at it that way. Yes. Upworthy Weekly. Todd. Yes. Did you ever have a teddy bear or anything? Any stuffed animal that meant a lot to you? Warning, the following story you were is supposed super to wholesome. Warn me. Its sheer goodness I mean, may cause them to regain their faith in humanity and to burst into was uncontrollable no, tears of joy. it snuck up on me so quickly. But, I mean, wasn't it just like, hello? Like, you're, you're looking straight in to the abyss of wholesomeness when you saw Teddy Bear in the headline. You just had to stop there and be ready for it. I see what you're saying. However, all of these stories are pretty wholesome. So I did. I mean, I should have. Yes, I should. I see. Blame the victim. I get the game you're playing. No, I get what you're saying that this is my own fault. I should have seen it coming. However, this is upworthy. So a lot of these stories could get this alarm. I think you wait until I'm distracted and then you detonate. There's a little bit of a gaslighting going on here. You, Thank you for acknowledging. You you may think that, but actually, like a true gas, <laughs> okay, true gaslighter, I will never admit to the gaslighting. Right. I just say maybe all of this is in your head, and maybe you just don't really know what's wholesome and what's worth alerting people to the wholesomeness uh, of. I know you just said a bunch of words, but I have been flooded by that obnoxious, wholesome alarm, and so... Uh, I just heard like the teacher in Charlie Brown. Anyway, I'm going to now tell you a wholesome story, Todd and listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this boy, a five-year-old named Ezekiel Burnett, had a teddy bear that he loved. The family referred to it as the original teddy. Or original teddy, that's what they called it. Uh, and he was at <clears throat> the Milwaukee airport and he lost it. And it's in an interesting way. He was on the concourse and he threw it up and it got caught in the rafters. So there's a whole story I will share with you. But just sidebar over here. That's quite a throwing arm he has. We talked earlier about parents who make sports like their whole you know, life, their kids sports. I think that they should consider getting Ezekiel into probably baseball. I say they got to rein this in. They got to rein it in real quick mm-hmm. or else he's going to be taking you out to Rancho Cucamonga at five in the morning. He was heartbroken that he had lost original Teddy. He cried on the flight. He cried when he got home. He had trouble sleeping, etc. Meanwhile, the airport... So this was in November. In January, the airport found the bear. Does no one look up? I I don't know what happened there. But anyway, (laughs) airport found the bear and posted on social media, 
you know, are you the owner of this bear, blah, 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 blah. The bear had a heart emblem and what looked like some stitches. So they, uh, and apparently this is a kind of bear that's given to kids with congenital heart defects who are in and out of the hospital. So they also thought that his owner probably had um, congenital heart defect, which like made it all the more sad. Turns out the boy was just given the bear. He does not actually have a congenital heart defect. But anyway, so that's just another element of the story. Um, so the the post about the bear from the airport went viral and was seen by over 4 million people. The mom of Ezekiel uh, was watching television one night and felt like she won the lottery when she saw the, you know this come up on, on, on a news story about it. She's like, oh my gosh, that's our bear. Da, da, da. They contacted the airport. Long story short... Uh, the airline flew the family out from Texas back to Milwaukee to reunite the boy with his bear at a ceremony to which I say, you had to fly them all the way out. You couldn't just send them the bear. But still, it's a very, <laughs> sweet, a very sweet story. Well, I think Here's air- an idea. S- send the bear. Yeah, I'm sure the, the parents probably said that too. Like, really? I got to take three days off work to come get <laughs> this damn bear that we left here on purpose? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, the airline and the airport made a meal out of it. But I understand it's a very, you know, at this point it, it had gone viral. I get it. I uh, I forgot to bring him to this or her. I haven't I haven't decided if my if koala is no koala is a girl. I decided that a long time ago. I have a koala bear that I've had since I was six. And I meant to bring her to the studio to show you. She's very smushed. She looks very loved, very, very old. My mother-in-law had to like, she was hemorrhaging stuffing and the stuffing is red. Whoever decided to make the stuffing of my stuffed animal that I've had since I was six red, you're a sicko. But anyway, so it looked like she was bleeding. So uh, my mother-in-law stitched her back up. But anyway, um, yeah, I get it. I'm attached to this bear and I especially was when I was a child. Yeah, I have a teddy that I got when I was four. Oh, you one-upper. And I got Teddy when I was four, and there there are some stuffing issues. My wife sewed him up back when she was my girlfriend, which kind of made That's her nice. wifey material. Yeah, you know? totally. This is a little tough for me to say as a 45-year-old man, but Teddy does often sleep in the bed. So does Koala. Okay, it's so okay. embarrassing. It's okay, so embarrassing. And my <laughs> wife has her bear, which is like a black bear kind of. Oh, my God. And so Teddy's in there and he's kind of in a delicate spot right now because he one if he sneezed once, he his stuffing would come out. He'd be. Over, yeah. You know? Right. Um, so, you know, luckily he hasn't gotten covid. But so, yeah, he's he's slept next to me and I love him. And I've always just thought that, you know, I want to be cremated with my Teddy because <laughs> he's a big part of me. I love him. And he's I've imbued him with some kind of life force yeah yeah so your bear is this is delicate but do you snuggle the bear while you're sleeping or is he just in the bed no i have the thing is like i'm so used to cradling an item when i sleep that if i don't i don't know what to do with my hands yes yeah oh my god i'm so glad that you are making a safe space to admit this so koala is perched on my nightstand 
As far as my kids know, that's where she stays, even though, you know, they have their comfort items too. But then depending on whether I'm sleeping on my back or on my side, those are my basically how I sleep. Sometimes I'll get into a position where it's like this arm needs to go on top of a koala and then she makes her way into the bed. Oh, my husband. Is- but now my husband doesn't sleep with a stuffed animal, but he does have like seven pillows like a maniac. He's got and I'm not exaggerating seven pillows. Yeah, I mean, what's the difference? You're you're sitting there with a comfort item. It's just we yeah. happen to have friends that we're sleeping with that right. are our little people that we confide in. Yes. My, Mom, she went to camp with me when right. I was a child. She went she's gone everywhere with me. She's she's my ride or die. When my son was born, we had a little fox for him that we named Foxy. Of course. But around the time when he was about two, we noticed an arm was missing. Mm. And this is like a little fox. And my son was like upset, like, oh, no, you know, Foxy lost his arm. So I was like, oh, it was one of the dogs. And then I had two dogs. So I was like, well, there's only one way to find out which dog ate it. And my wife and I both took bets on whether it was our fat Jack Jack Russell terrorist scout or whether it was Murray, the most loving uh, terrier slash uh, uh, greyhound. It ended up being... After I, I, we both bet on Scout whole time. There was a poop three days later, and it was Murray. Uh, not to be a poop forensicologist, if I don't think that's a thing. But um, how do you always know wh- whose poop belongs to who? Oh, you know, you know. There's, I guess, I I've like only s- ever had one dog at a time. So, oh yeah, you could tell. You know, you know, like it's <laughs> upworthyweekly.com. Uh, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com. Uh, it's the color, the size. Okay. And the so taste. there was a little fox arm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a fox arm. And then and then uh, the next week, the other fox arm went missing. And my oh. son could barely speak at this point. And it was just like, he has no arms. Oh, and, that's so sad. And so every once in a while, he'd have to keep explaining to me. He has no arms. The dog ate Aww. the arm. And it like how like heartbroken he was. But still, we had a backup one that we bought just in case something should happen. So smart, yeah. So we introduced the backup who's completely intact. And my son like hates Frankie, the other one. Foxy and Frankie. He despises Frankie, like with oh. how I'm sure if everybody who loved Bon Scott got mad when Brian Johnson became the singer of uh, ACDC. ACDC, or, yeah. You know, you you can't replace David Lee Roth with Sammy Hagar. I'm just not right. going to like him the same. Right. But th- this was the feeling that no matter what, like my son just despises Frankie with all of his inner being. And Foxy, armless, sitting there is his his love. Can't go to bed without yeah. him. Does he still have Foxy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you won't go to bed without him. What you should have done, if I may, <clears throat> and oh, I know that you have no problem doing this because you've replaced his fish three times, right? Buttercup, yeah. the fraud fish. When you notice the arm missing, that's when you slide in the new one because maybe he wouldn't have noticed. We did right around them, but then one was kind of dirty, the armless one, oh. and then the other one was, you could tell, you could tell. I understand. Yeah. Well, that being said, uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly Podcast. Uh, If you haven't yet, please leave leave us a review on iTunes. 
And uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do so on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google, just so you don't miss next week. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.